we tapped into something a moment ago in the Holy Ghost. Amen. God wants to get a message through to us tonight. He knows how to make a way where there is no way. Amen. Don't know what you're going through, and I don't know what you're facing, but I know God, and I know He's able. He's able. Amen. And we need a breakthrough of a different sort tonight. We don't need to just feel good when we leave here because we shouted a little bit. We need to leave here with something in our grip, something in our grasp that will never fail or let us down. And that's what God's trying to do right now. I'm going to turn this service to our evangelists. I believe it's time for God to take us where he wants us to go tonight. Would you lift up your hands and pray right now? God, lead us. Lead us in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Just a moment longer. Reach out to the Lord all over the building. Holy Ghost, that's it from the depths of your soul. Reach out to God. I love you, Jesus. Do something in our midst tonight, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is a definitive flow of the Holy Ghost here tonight. There are times when I walk to the pulpit, and not just me, I believe every minister, if they're, if they're honest, and they should be, there's times where you, you're not quite sure you're preaching the right message. And then there's times you walk up there and you know that you know that you know. Well, I'm just telling you, I know that I know that I know tonight because the Lord visited me this afternoon in my hotel room and he's trying to accomplish something. I'm going to tell you right now, Brother Hughes already said it. I'm not reaching for emotional stimulation tonight because you can be emotionally stimulated without spiritually connected. We can play the radio and work up our emotions tonight. We can sing your favorite song and work up your emotions You can sweat and do the helicopter all across the front and leave the same way that you came. I'm not reaching for emotional stimulation. I'm reaching for spiritual connection. Where something happens in the Holy Ghost and God does a work in your life and you walk out of here different than when you came. Turn with me please to 1 Samuel chapter number 30. Thank each and every one of you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. It's always a joy and a pleasure to be in revival at Greater Life Church. And yet, I know I don't say that everywhere. Just so you know, I don't say that everywhere. But I've always had a great connection with you wonderful people. And God has always spoken very vividly. There's a lot of times in my evangelistic ministry, it's hard to believe this is our sixth year We'll start our seventh year in October of evangelizing. But I had a lot of wonderful transactions between me and God in this church. Whenever we had our RV, I would come over here and spend a lot of time. And God really 
molded and helped fashion me in this church. Thank you for your love and your support, your attendance. Be here Wednesday night. I believe Wednesday nights are just as important as Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. Amen. I commend you for your faithfulness. Let's read verse number 1, 1 Samuel 30. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahonahim the Jezreelitess and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake thee, and without fail recover all. Verse number 17, And David smote them from the twilight, even on the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save four hundred young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil, nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. I want to preach just for a little while on this thought. Break down or break through. Break down or break through. Could we lift our hands right now? Let's ask the Holy Ghost to have His way over the remainder of this service. Father, I feel the witness of the Spirit in this place. There's no telling what the next few moments are going to hold. For every heart in this house that will open up their heart. Oh God, I pray the Spirit of the Lord would move in this house tonight. Lord, let something happen in our lives that would forever change us. Let something happen in our soul that would mark us from this night forward. Almighty oh, God, I thank you for what you're going to do in this house. Why don't we clap our hands and worship the Lord God together. Hallelujah. Lord bless you. You may be seated. I was thinking this afternoon as I was preparing for this service and I do a lot of thinking. I'm like a caged tiger when I'm in my hotel room by myself. You can't be like that with six of us in a hotel. But when I'm by myself, I do a lot of walking. I'll spend usually the afternoon trying to see if the Lord will use me in dreams. And if that don't work, I get up and I try to walk around. And I, and I see if the Lord will talk to me for a little while. I like the dreams a whole lot more than walking. But sometimes God chooses differently. But I was, 
I was speaking, or rather, I was thinking this afternoon about how grateful I am for the church. And I'm not necessarily talking about a specific location, but rather the kingdom of God at large. Maybe it's because I'm getting older, and which I'm not that old, but I do have four children, and they make you feel really old. But I, I'm thinking about my children and, and how I want them to be raised and how I'm trying my best. They don't make manuals for this. I'm trying my best to rear these kids in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And, and I'm thinking about where God has brought my family from. A lot of people don't know my testimony, or rather my family's testimony. But my, my mother was not raised in this. My, my father was, but my mother was, uh, lived in a very poor, poor upbringing. Uh, they had just felt paper on the, on the walls of the house, and wind would blow in a lot and cold and all that stuff. And they, had a, they didn't have a bathroom. They had a bucket. They had a five-gallon bucket for a family with, with six kids. And they finally got a toilet seat, put it on the bucket. That was their restroom. That's after they got rid of the outhouse and they moved the bucket inside. They didn't have a lot of money. They, they would fill up a number three wash tub. And, Dad and Grandpa went first and went down the row in the same water. By the time it got to the last two or three, that was some murky-looking water. But uh, one day someone came and knocked on my, my mother's house and and, and sweet, precious people invited them to church. And my mother, her siblings, some of her siblings rode the bus, the church bus. And they fell in love with Jesus. And my mother got a hold of something inside of her soul. She was baptized in Jesus' name. She received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Out of all of her family, she was the only one that, that stayed true to what she felt was truth and what was right. And... At the age of 15, my grandfather, who I never knew, but I've never heard much good about him, never heard any great stories about him. He was a mean man. He was an old iron worker, and he was very aggressive and did a lot of horrible things. But he gave my mother the ultimatum. Either you can quit going to church and you can stay living in this house, or you can stay going to church, but you're out of this house. And it forced my mother at the age of 15 to make a decision that I believe that decision, I know it altered our destiny. It altered her life, but also it set a, a trajectory for her children. And I may not be standing here today if it were not for a mother that stood for what she knew was right. And it was actually Sister Sarah Long's grandparents that took my mother in at the age of 15 years old. And my mother and my father were actually married in her grandparents' home. And at the, and I believe it was 1979 or 80. And, and, and so you see there is a deep appreciation for where we're at. And I'm the first to tell you today that the church does have its flaws. I'm not talking about the kingdom of God because God's ultimate seal is upon the kingdom of God. But as long as there are people, there's going to be flaws because we are flawed people. But the church at its worst is still better than the world at its best. And my friend, in case you've never thought about it, the ark was a stinky place. But it still beat the alternative. 
They had to put up with some stuff that maybe they didn't like. But if they were going to make it to where God wanted them to be, then they had to be willing to put up with some junk. But it beat the alternative. I am thankful for the kingdom of Almighty God. I'm thankful for the church that saved my soul. You see, the kingdom of God is not just a location, but the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Don't judge the kingdom by what you see with your eyes because the kingdom of God reaches beyond what you will ever see in your life. It reaches beyond generations. It spans a globe. It is worldwide. And I am so thankful for the progression that the church has made throughout the years. Do you realize that we have the opportunity to live in the dispensation of time where we have more churches than we've ever had? We've got more preachers than we've ever had. We've got more saints, more conferences, more fellowship more books. We've got more spiritual opportunity than we've ever had before. I believe we're living in the day where Paul the Apostle wishes he could have lived in, where Peter wishes he could have walked in, and we have the opportunity to live in this dispensation. But with all of that being said, I must express my concern. Because there is one element that the Lord has dealt with me about. There is one realm, one dimension that I, it it burdens my heart. Because although we have more preachers than we've ever had, we also have more preachers walking away from truth than we've ever had. We've got more, more families being divided. We've got more patients seeking counsel. We've got more questions than we have answers. We've got more people that are walking away and throwing their hands in the air and throwing the towel in, if you please, because they can't handle the pressure. They can't handle the attacks. Simply put, they're having a breakdown. Call it a relational breakdown, an emotional breakdown, a nervous breakdown. A financial breakdown. You call it whatever you want. But with the most spiritual opportunity than we've ever had before. We've got more breakdowns than we've ever seen. Somewhere along the way. We have forgotten that this is not simply playing church. But this is a spiritual battle. And we're not fighting flesh and blood. But we're fighting principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. And Paul said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The enemy is relentless in his attack. And he attacks your family, your jobs, your emotions, all in an effort to stop your progress. And we find ourselves living for God on the defense instead of the offense. The defense is motivated by fear. Offense is motivated by faith. And we've got people 
who every time they come to church, all they could think about is the next bad thing that's going to happen in their life. And all they could think about, if I can just survive this attack, if I can just survive this problem, if I can just make it through this problem with my family, if I can make it through this, what are they doing? They're trying to live for God on the defense. And they're coming to church, and they have no joy. And because they have no joy, they have no strength. Because the joy of the Lord, It's my strength. Honey, let me just tell you this. I'm not going to mope my way into heaven. I'm going to be happy about making it to the other side. You can sit there with a long face if you want to. But God's been too good to me for me to drag my tail around and act like it's a drudgery. Honey, if God be for you, who can be against you? We just see the devil operates off of intimidation. But the Bible says this no weapon formed shall prosper. It didn't say that the weapon wouldn't form, it just said it wouldn't be effective. You can't stop it from forming, but you can stop it from being the final. There's some things you've got to watch them take place. But you've got to have confidence that God is greater in you. And that you're going to make it through what you're going through. I remember when I was a teenager, we got big into paintballing. You don't know what paintball is. It's these guns where you put these marble-sized paint things, a little bit bigger than marble. And if you really mean, you freeze them. But you put those paintballs in there. And you go out in the woods and you play army, capture the flag. And, and, and I know my body, this is, it's deceiving, but I wasn't built for speed. So I would normally just pick a spot in the woods and sit there, try to become one with the woods. They never put me out front to be the one chasing the flag. That wasn't, that wasn't my calling. I would usually sit and guard the flag because you got to sit and you just sat there. But on one particular occasion, All my team was eliminated. And so it fell upon me to be the hero. And so I made my way as quiet as I could through those woods. And I didn't know. I thought there was only one other guy on their team. So I thought it was just a showdown. And so I got as close as I could to their base where they had the flag. And he started shooting at me. And so... The best of my ability, I, I tried to hide behind a tree, which when you're this big, you got to find a big tree in the woods. So, But I, I'm sitting, I remember sitting there just like this, trying to be as skinny as I could be. I was all camoed up. I was trying to be like the tree. He was behind me, and they were just whizzing, both sides. And, and, and he just kept, da, 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 da. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, if he ever runs out of pain. If, he's, if he ever just stops, I'm going to get my one chance. And I'm going to make, boy, I had it all planned out. I was going to be the victor. I was going to be the hero. And then all of a sudden, I didn't realize he had one other person on his team. And that one guy made his way around. And I'm so distracted fighting what's coming behind me that I never saw him in the front. And he just goes, Toop, and it hit me. And I was like, you got to be kidding. I did all of that. I woke up, worked up a sweat. And I didn't even get the flag. And so game was over, and the guy comes out of the base, 
And I said, you know, acting like I was, you know, man, if I'd have just had one, one opportunity, I was going to get you out. And he looked at me and he started laughing. He said, man, I didn't even have no paintballs. I was just pulling my trigger the whole time. Can I just tell you that's what the devil does? He tries to intimidate you and act like it's going to take you out, but he don't have no paintballs, honey. He's shooting blanks. You got to realize that it may look bad, but I got a feeling I'm going to make my way through this thing. I'm not going to live my life in fear. We got way too many people being intimidated by what's going on in their life. They come to church scared, and they leave scared. Preacher preaches his guts out. Choir sings their guts out. And you get a little emotional stimulation, and then you go back and say, Oh, my goodness, look at what i got to face. you got to realize, honey, it ain't about all of that junk. It's about realizing in your mind, if God brought me through this thing once, i got a feeling he's not going to let me down right now. Joined David tonight and his men as they returned to Ziglag. Invaded by the Amalekites, they took their women and their children. The Bible says that they wept until they had no more power to weep. Let me just put it like this. They had a breakdown. You know what a breakdown is? I used to drive an old 87 Jeep Cherokee. was my first vehicle. I loved that thing. But it taught me what a breakdown was. A breakdown... It's the absence of progress caused by any type of circumstance or situation. God's people are not exempt from breakdowns. Breakdowns. They come to church. They sing in the choir. But they're so burdened and they're so broken by what they're facing. And this is where so many people stop. They have a breakdown. The absence of progress. Living for God is about making progress. And too many people stop when things start going wrong in their life. They have a breakdown. And, then, and, 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 and they go to the pastor with a breakdown. And they go to the friends with a breakdown. And they go to pray and all they can think about is everything that's wrong in their life. Just like David and his men, they had a breakdown. And when they began to blame, when they began to have a breakdown, they usually began to blame others for why they're having a breakdown. Look at Judges 30 and 6. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. David, this is all your fault. This is not my fault. It's other people's fault for why I'm facing what I'm facing. It's easier to blame other people for why you're not making progress than it is to say, you know what? This isn't somebody else's fault. This is something that I'm having to go through. Hear me. Others may have brought you in it, but only you can get yourself out of it. I can't get you out of it. I can't shake your mind. I can't say, hey, wake up. But you know what David did in the midst of all of that? David encouraged himself in the Lord. One area that I cannot walk is in the recesses of your mind. I can tell it to you. I can sing it to you. I can pray it on you. But only you can change your mind. Only you can say, you know what? It's not as bad as it looks. If God delivered me out of the hand.
You see, a breakdown focuses on what's wrong. But a breakthrough focuses on what's right. And we can sit all day and look at everything wrong in our life. We can sit all day and focus on that. Let me, let me just tell you this. I don't have to use any gifts of the Spirit to know what kind of day you have. I just got to use a little common sense. Because your countenance reveals what's on the inside. Your countenance reveals the weariness, the frustration, the questions. It's because you're focusing on what's wrong. But when you start focusing on what's right, David, David started encouraging himself in the Lord. And he transitioned from fear to faith. You see, this is what I learned. You can be loosed and not be liberated. God can break the chains of sin. God can break the bondage of the world. And on the outside, everything looks great. You're living for God. But you can, you, you can still walk in a realm where you're not liberated. It's not an outward problem. It's an inward problem. When I was... Teenager, my first job, I hung gutters. I know it's not a glamorous job, but for seven twenty-five an hour, I thought I was rich. And so I learned how to hang gutters. And so we were doing this yard. We were doing this job, and we were in the backyard. And they had this great big dog in the backyard. And they had a fence, a wooden fence on three sides. But there was a big driveway between the house and the fence. And there was no gate or anything. And, and, and I thought, now how in the world are they keeping this big old dog in this backyard? And this is when those shock collars first started coming out. And I asked the owner when he came outside, I said, does this dog, how do you keep that dog in the backyard? He said, you see that wire running across that driveway? I said, yeah. He said, well, that collar on his on his Neck, when he gets close to that wire, it starts sending signals and starts shocking him, and it's uncomfortable. Here was a dog that was not chained to anything. He was loosed, but he was living his life in man-made perimeters. He was living his life. He had a degree of liberty, but he was living in a realm dictated by somebody else. And there are people that are loosed, but they're living their life in parameters dictated by what other people have forced upon them. They're living their life in just a little area because this one did something and they built a wall. And this one said something, and they built a wall. And this circumstances arose in their life, and here comes that fence. And, and, and they come to church, and they just operate in that little area of comfort. And they don't press beyond it because they, they, those perimeters are keeping them in check. They can wave their hands. They can say hallelujah. But they can't imagine living life outside of the perimeters that somebody else built upon them. So I asked them. This is what that's my curiosity. I said, does it work? And this is what he said. He said, well, it worked for the longest time until one day he saw another dog out there on the street. And he realized 
if I can take the pain of crossing over, I can get to what I want. And he backed up and he took a running start. He said, I watched him. He read as fast as he could. And he let out about two or three yelps. But he crossed that threshold and he got to what he wanted. My friend, you hear me. It may be painful. You may not like how you feel. But if you can get your eyes on Jesus and realize if I can just cross through this barrier, if I can step through my comfort zone, there's a realm of liberty in the Holy Ghost that I can walk. Come on, just a moment. I want you to press with me right now. I want you to get your mind transitioned right now. That there is a realm of liberty I can walk in. There's a realm of victory I can live in. Oh, God, I'm not going to have a breakdown. I'm going to have a breakthrough. Let it happen in our minds. Let it happen in our spirit. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Come on just a moment longer. I want to ask you, ma'am and sir, when's the last time you had a breakthrough in the Holy Ghost? I'm not talking about just got a little goosebumps or a little emotion. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you press so hard in the Holy Ghost uh, that it, it changed your mind. Uh, it changed your vision. Uh, it changed your outlook. Uh, and it didn't matter what you faced when you walked out of those doors. Uh, you knew deep inside everything uh, is going to be all right. Everything is going to be on. It's not what my pastor told me. It's what God told me when I broke through in the Holy Ghost. God, I'm pressing through my comfort zone. God, I'm pressing through the barriers of fear and unbelief. And I'm stepping in that realm of liberty and faith tonight. Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 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 Pray in the Holy Ghost right now, church. I'm asking some elders. You may not be able to run. That's all right. I just want you to pray with me right now because we're battling against mindsets. We're battling against the spirit of fear that is holding too many people captive right now. We're going to have a breakthrough in the Holy Ghost. We're going to have a breakthrough in the Holy Ghost, ma'am, before you leave. I want you to have a breakthrough, sir. Before you leave, I want you to have a breakthrough. You don't have to leave the same way that you came. I'm tired of being held captive in my mind. I'm tired of fighting the same battles in my mind. I'm tired of leaving church the same way that I came. I can't take it anymore. I've got to have a breakthrough. 
Come on, we're in no hurry, church. We're in no hurry right now. God's working in people's minds. God's working in your spirit. Stand with me all over the building if you could physically do so. David had two options. And it's the same two options that you have tonight. David, either you can weep over what's lost or you can worship for what's to come. How, preacher, do I transition from fear to faith? Let's see how David transitioned. David said, Abiathar, bring me the ephod. And you and I both know that that's the garment of praise. Because praise transitions the lens that you view your problems. And you're no longer looking through the tears of fear, but you're looking through the praise of faith. I don't know what you're facing in this place tonight. I don't know what's causing you to fear or have a breakdown in your own mind. But we're not going to have a breakdown tonight. We're going to have a breakthrough. Because when I break through, my mind changes. And everything is going to be all right. I wonder right now, all over this building, if you could throw your hands in the air and begin to magnify the Lord with me. If you can begin to worship his name right now. If you can begin to lift up the name of Jesus Christ all over this building. Almighty God, where the the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I wonder tonight if there's anybody that wants to step out of your pew and just begin to do what you feel in the Holy Ghost. I wonder if you can just step out and begin to magnify the Lord. I wonder if you can open up your heart and your mouth and say, devil, you are a liar. Devil, you are a liar. God is with me. God is fighting for me. God will make a way when it looks like there is no way. 